And now it's time for Guaranteeing Your Retirement with your host, David Graham from Graham Capital, an estate planning and investment management firm right here in Florida. Here's your host, David Graham. Good morning. This is Dave Graham, the retirement guy, and you're listening to Guaranteeing Your Retirement. In this new year, it's the year 2024. Go figure, huh? My gosh, happy new year to all you listeners out there. Another year. Where do they go? They go by so fast now. My gosh. Uh, This show is brought to you by Graham Capital Advisors. We're the people that you come to. When you're getting ready for retirement and you want to do it properly, you want to do it correctly, come and see us. Let us show you how easy it is. Now, you always hear me say we have well over 100 years of combined planning experience, financial planning, estate planning, retirement planning. This is what we do. We have offices in Tampa on Kennedy Boulevard and on Ringling Boulevard in Sarasota locally. And if you're up in Washington, D.C., we have Graham Capital Wealth Management right on K Street, three blocks from the White House. That's where we do our heavy financial lift at. The information that we give to people that have a lot of assets is the same information that we give to the average person. Come and see us. See how easy it is. Take the stress out of it. Go to our website. Schedule an appointment. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. Before we get started, as always, let's all offer a huge heartfelt thanks to our police, firefighters, emergency personnel, our teachers. What about all the men and women in the military services who are so far from home and protecting us? Where would we be without them? Thank God we have them. And with that, we always start off with a little levity here. I don't know if you saw this one here in the news. There was a woman in Ohio, and she celebrated her 105th birthday with 105 shots of fireball whiskey. Okay, now let me clarify that. She didn't do the 105 shots herself, but this assisted living center in Lebanon, Ohio, they drink a shot of fireball every day. And when the company heard about her love for the product, they sent her a basket of 105 shooter bottles to celebrate her big day with all the residents residents in, in the nursing home. That's the kind of that's the kind of assisted living center you want to move to, I'll tell you. Good gosh. It was fun fact of the week. You could actually apply this information to what's going on right now with this crazy political system we have. Abraham Lincoln won the presidential election in 1860 without being on the ballot in 10 southern states. Now think about that for a second. Think about that. For some reason, uh, former President Bush, uh, Bush, listen to me, Trump gets, uh, for whatever reason, for the insurrection and all the nonsense that is going on, you know, the anniversary, we just had the third anniversary. Who knows what's going to happen? Could he win the election without being on ballot in some states? I guess the Supreme Court's going to be answering that one for us. Here's the quote of the week. All I ask is a chance to prove that money can't make you happy. That's Spike Mulligan. He's an old musician. 
Crime of the week. We always got to let you know if you commit a federal crime, there's more federal crimes on the books than you would imagine. So I don't want you ending up in a sticky situation. Okay. Drum roll. It's a federal crime to maliciously tear down a mailbox. All right. So if you accidentally bang into a mailbox and that camera gets your license plate as you pull away with your car, I'd suggest you stop and let them know that you did it maliciously, knock down that that box, okay? Oh, boy. And anyway, that that be said, okay, look, here it is, the New New Year's checklist. With the New Year upon us now, let's run off the checklist of things that you should be thinking about as it relates to your financial plans, okay? Here it is. This is 2024. Get your notebook out or... Get your what laptop out and start writing this down, okay? What are we supposed to be looking for? Number one, what about tax withholdings? Okay, are, are you having the right amount of money withheld from your paychecks so you're, you're not owing too much tax at tax time and, and you, you might not be getting too big a refund? You know, if not, that might be a good time to fix that so you're on the right track this year for the first time in a while. Get it done sooner. Who wants to think about doing taxes? That's that's immediately you want to push that out of your mind. The sooner you get it done, the easier it's going to be, and you don't have to worry about it. So when tax time does come, you could say, well, guess what? That's one thing I actually did right this year. I got it over with. And always remember, if you're paying taxes and you're doing it yourself, it's behooving for you to go to an enrolled agent or a CPA and let them do it professionally. The old rule of thumb with accounting is the more money that you spend getting getting guidance, they're going to get you more money back. So think about that one. What about retirement account contributions? Now, this is a good time to assess you know, just how much you plan to contribute to your retirement accounts this year. And if you've been maxing out your accounts, is it, is it in your best interest to continue to do that? Uh, if you've been contributing only a little bit, maybe this is the year you need to increase it. Or if you've been doing nothing, maybe this is a good time to actually start. But remember, whatever you can put aside, the more you're going to have down the road. Okay. What about gathering your tax information? You don't have to file your taxes until April 15th, but we'll make life a lot easier for yourself and your preparer if you start it now, if you start gathering all that information. Why wait until April 4th to start putting it all together? You know, you're likely to miss something. And then I guess, you know, what about just, I guess, overall your retirement health, okay? You know, a lot of people are in a goal-setting mood at the beginning of the year. So if you haven't put together a true retirement plan to help clarify your goals, now is a great time to do it. This is especially important that you... You know, you'll be retiring in the next decade or so. Get it done, for crying out loud. If you if you have a plan already, this is a great time to assess where you stand and make all the necessary tweaks or course adjustments you're going to have to make. Uh, do you have too much risk in your investments? Could you be more tax efficient? Have returns uh, been, been so good for the last couple of years that you could legitimately consider retiring earlier than you planned? You know, you know take the initiative. And I always use silly analogies, but but just think of this. You have all this power in the walls of the room you're sitting in. All that electricity going through those wires, but nothing happens to those lights until you hit that light switch. You hit that light switch and boom, the light 
lights go on, the room lights up, because you finally hit the switch. Okay, think about hitting the switch with getting your tax done earlier this year. You'll be happy that you did, to say the least. Okay, what about, you know, think about, I guess, a few things. Think about legacy and estate planning. We we talk about this often, but, you know, as a, as a master estate planner, these are the things that, the questions that I ask my clients, and think, think if this applies to you in any way, shape, or form. You know, most people think that they need an attorney involved in their estate plan. You know, is that always the case? Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay, once you get a good revocable trust from an attorney, all the necessary ancillary documents that come come with that, you know, there's always a section on that trust where you could actually write down and like put your own form of an addendum to the trust just by simply writing it down and signing it and dating it. List the things that you want to have done. You know, where does grandpa's old shotgun go to? If you have two sons, what son gets it? What about grandma's china? And you have two daughters. Do you split it up? What do you do? But, you know, put it down in writing. Make it easier for your kids someday. Because once you do it, at least you know it's it, somebody else doesn't have to deal with that issue. Okay. What role, let me ask you this, what role should a financial advisor play in the legacy and estate planning process? Well, that's what we do for, for a living, for crying out loud. Uh, you know, we can tell you what you should do, what you shouldn't do, what you need to do right away, what you need to do later on. But most importantly, we can help you put all the blocks together so you can build that that leaking log cabin that you want to build. We can show you how to do that. But come and see us, GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. But I think when you look at the questions that you could ask this time of year, especially starting the year now and and, you know, some people are open to the, the idea of working with, for example, a financial advisor and a estate planner. They just haven't gotten around to it. But I guess ask yourself, you know, some of the following reasons for not asking for help is one of the reasons why, well, it's, it's not that hard. I can do it myself. OK, well, guess what? Good luck with that, because we're all good at some things. But when you're talking about your life savings, you're talking about the transition of wealth from yourself to your kids. Don't you think it's smarts to get some kind of financial guidance? What about here's another one we hear often. Oh, my having a financial advisor just costs too much. Well, you're going to do it yourself. Remember, you always get what you pay for. And with financial advisors, if it's a true fiduciary, he's going to be helping you. Always remember don't ever do business with anyone that does not have initials next to their name. Make sure that they're a financial planner. Make sure they're a chartered life underwriter. Make, make, make sure they're a certified estate planner. Somebody that actually takes pride in their profession and gets a professional designation. If they have it, don't have one. I can assure you they're nothing more than an asset gatherer, real smooth talker, they have, they're going to show you spreadsheets. They're going to show you comparisons from companies like Blackstone to show you where your money should be going. But in reality, they're nothing more than a financial salesman. And they're not as concerned about your retirement as they should be because that's not what they are. They're a salesman. Get somebody that has a true professional designation next to their name. And that way, you know, you're dealing with somebody that's a true fiduciary. OK, what about this question? I'm still a few years away from retirement, so I really don't need any advice at this point. 
Well, is that true? Think about it for a second. Wouldn't it be better to have advice now so by the time you do retire, you're going to be set because you've already done the heavy lifting? And remember, the sooner you get started, the easier it is, the safer your assets are going to be, and the more money you're going to make. They've done study after countless study on this subject. Okay, get started. Do it sooner. Go to a fiduciary. Don't go to somebody that that's your 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 wife's friend's husband who used to be a dog groomer or something crazy. Get a professional. Get somebody that can get the job done for you. I mean, what about this question? Financial advisors are for rich people, but I'm not rich. Well, define rich for me. Look. What you got is what you got. If you got your health, you're rich, starting off just with that subject. But remember, everybody can, can live on exactly what they have, because you're going to have to. So you have a Social Security check coming in. You might have a little 401k, or IRA, 403b, 457, defined benefit plan, Roth INRA, anything that's, that's tax deferred or qualified. That's all you got. What you got is what you got. And one thing I can assure you, you want to make sure that you still got it, that you haven't lost it, because you're going to have to live on that someday. You know, and then I guess one last question I could say you could ask yourself is, have you heard this one? The financial world is too confusing and complex for me. I'll just keep my head down and keep putting money into my 401k, and I'm going to even sure it will be fine. But I'm sure it will be. Well, you got to be sure of something, Okay. So is that what you should do every two weeks? Put money into your 401k, buy low, buy high, buy high, buy low, just keep pounding it away? Oh, sure, that's one vehicle. That's one vehicle, I guess, because you're definitely going to be keeping it and you're doing it the right way. You just keep funding it. And then when you finally get towards retirement, you can start tapping into it and see what you have. That's a very good way of investing. But remember, there are other things you need to be doing. What about if it's non-qualified money? What are you doing with that money? Are you saving it? Are you spending it? The sooner you start saving, the more you're going to have. But most importantly, with all of your finances for retirement, remember this. If you lose it, then you got to remake it. You don't want to do that because as you get older, you're running out of time. Graham Capital Advisors, we can show you how to do it properly for retirement. That's what we do. We're good at it. We're good at it. Come and see us at offices in Tampa and Kennedy Boulevard, Ringling Boulevard in Sarasota. Go to our website and schedule an appointment. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. And online here, we have Mr. James Berlander, my producer. Good morning to you. Good morning, and also Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year to you, Jimbo. Let me ask you something. We got the mailbag there. What kind of questions do we have? uh, We have quite a few. I know uh, Stosh is already waiting for us, so I'm going to get right to him. Uh, Randy in Sarasota wrote in, my parents have come to the realization that they're not going to spend all of their money. So instead of leaving us a big inheritance, they're going to start gifting us some of the money now. We've been doing a good job of saving for our own retirement and don't have any debt. So what's our best use for this extra money? Our kids are 11 and 13. Should we just put it aside for college for them? Okay, well, Randy, that's a kind of a nice problem to have. And I'm, I'm so glad that your parents are doing that. I'm a big, big proponent of the baby boomer generation giving inheritances to their kids while they're alive. Okay. Uh, you know, the World War II generation, you, maybe your grandparents, 
their generation was a lot different. They went through the depression, they had nothing, and they didn't want to lose what they had. And it's a different generation today. So baby boomers out there should be helping their kids while they're alive, if they possibly can. Uh, you know, the gift tax is at 15000 a year. Uh, when you get that kind of money, what should you do with it? Well, you decide. You know, this is money coming to you. Uh, you know, your parents, I'm glad, are, are giving it to you, for example. I mean, your own children. I'm a big believer also that parents should take care of their own kids and let their kids take care of their kids. So from that standpoint, you could put it aside for college if that's what you want to do. You could add a roof onto the house or you could simply save it for your own retirement. Um, maybe do a little bit of everything. So just, you know, it's it's a gift from your parents. Be thankful that you got it. Okay, good question. Next up is Gene in Riverview. Uh, Gene writes in, I was planning to retire in a few months, but I just got a medical diagnosis with a very high likelihood that I'll only live another 12 to 18 months. That kind of stinks. Although it's possible that I could live another 20 years. How do I approach my financial planning with this kind of uncertainty? Oh, my gosh, Jane, I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, you know, naturally now for all of us, our futures are in God's hands. And it's a matter now of just you having peace of mind, having a sense of purpose and doing whatever you're doing. So just kind of listen to what's inside you. Um, you know, obviously, if you have children, you could start possibly gifting your kids like we just talked about. Uh, but when it comes to financial planning, the first rule of investing is don't lose money. Second rule of investing, don't forget the first rule. You want to make sure that you're going to be here with money to spend and not, not be well and then not have any money. You want to make sure what you have is what you have. Take that uncertainty off the table. So my suggestion to you is to invest very, very conservatively. Um, Please feel free to come in to see us in our office. We do a lot of estate planning, transitional wealth. We could help you. Go to my website. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. Got time for one more, Jim? Yep, one more, and then we'll hit Stosh. Uh, so Ralph up here in Tampa wrote in, I own a business with eight employees and would like to retire within the next five years. Should I try to sell the business at that time or just save as much as I can for the next five years to make sure I have enough to retire on? Ralph, it's a good question. Most people that own a business don't really have a 401k to speak of unless you're a professional person because all of your assets are probably in that business. You know, you're constantly giving loans to the business and your your value of your life savings is probably going to be in the value of that business. So the question is, should you, when you retire, either now or in five years, what should you do? Well, that's a good question. What you could start doing is taking money out now as much as you can, putting it aside so you know you have it and keep the business going. Another thing is you can keep business going indefinitely if your employees are good employees and slowly start selling the business to them if need be or, or one or two of the employees and let them keep running it if you feel that they're capable of doing that. And continue having them buy you out over a long period of time so you have a nice cash flow coming in. Um, or obviously, if somebody comes along that's going to give you a nice check or if you feel comfortable and that now's the time you want to pull the plug, then sell the business and take the money. But again, don't lose it. This is all you got. You spent your whole lifetime creating it and building it. If you go that route, make sure you invest it wisely and properly. So you always know you have a check coming in because your business is going to be your pension. 
Most small businesses don't have pensions. So by all means, make sure you're safe with it. Get good professional advice. Come and see us. Website address is GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. Online, we have Stosh Graham, the Chief Investment Officer, Managing Director of Graham Capital Wealth Management in Washington, D.C. That's GrahamCapitalWealth.com. Good morning to you. Good morning, David. Well, here we are, 2024, another year, the fourth year of a, of a presidency. We're going into the election year. I guess let's start off with this because people are asking already, okay, is it going to be a crazy year because of the election this year when it comes to monies and people being careful with what they have to do with it? Well, let's, get to the, let, let's get to the election first. There's still a lot of events that could, that could materially impact markets. Let's try funding the government, keeping it open. Uh, we still have that to navigate over the next 60 to 90 days. Uh, so, I mean, look, there, there's a whole host of different dynamics at play before we even get to the end of the year uh, in a presidential election cycle. Okay, well, that's, that's a fair answer to say that. There's a lot going on. Well, okay, well, we just had that U.S. jobs report for December. Okay, what are your key takeaways from that? Yeah, you know, I think you look at the headline number, and it obviously it came in above expectations. I think if you look everything under it, it's not as strong as one would think. And I think this is the important part. Uh, one, as we saw through 10 of the last 12 months, the numbers are going to get revised lower. And I think right. especially from a seasonality aspect, and you have a number that came in much higher than expectations, but then you look at some of the supplemental employment data, and it's not matching up. I think you could tally this to being yet another month that's going to end up being revised lower from the number that it is. Um, I think some of the dynamics that bear mentioning, one, is you saw the largest drop in household employment going back to April of 2020. Um, and I think that is a, a, a important dynamic that is an example of a labor market that is continuing to cool, and it's cooling faster than maybe what the top line or surface numbers are, are showing from, from you know, the, the broader view. Um, right. Again, there are just multiple antidotes of weakness. Uh, and again, I mentioned the, the, the drop in household employment, which is the lowest we've seen in, you know, four years, you saw a continued increase in continuing jobless claims. The, the trend line of continuous jobless claims continue to increase. The amount of job openings continue to fall. You did see a drop in labor force participation. Now you saw an increase a month ago, you saw right. a drop uh, and I think, again, some of the dynamics that we look at, which historically have been very strong leading indicators, you're seeing a continued decrease of temporary workers being hired. You're seeing actually they're getting laid off. You're seeing more people taking part-time work involuntarily. They were, say, formerly, for example, they were full-time but there's no full-time position, so they have to take part-time work. Uh, that's not healthy. Obviously, if there's more stuff, there's more things, more jobs, more services, more goods to be made, 
you're going to see more people being temporary hired. You're going to see more part-time workers getting promoted to full-time, except in both of those cases, you're seeing it work the other way. And then finally, a decline in working hours. So the headline number shows a degree of strength. I would fade that strength. If you don't want to call it weak, that's fine. I would say then it, let's call it even. Headline number stronger. Everything under the surface was weaker. Right. Well, let me, but let me ask you this. You know, we get, we get the jobs report. Uh, you think treasuries are going to get slammed? So the issue with treasuries really comes to what Treasury Secretary Jenny Yellen does. So I think what the big surprise has been is how much U.S. Treasury yields have fallen, especially the 10-year. But then when you start to understand that the last couple of quarters, the Federal Reserve, or the U.S. Treasury, sorry, Treasury Department, they have issued very short-duration Treasury bills, T-bills, versus, say, 10, 5, 10, and 20-year U.S. Treasuries. Uh, the relative nature of the debt obligations that are outstanding have now skewed shorter and shorter over the last six to nine months. Uh, again, not within historical trends of normally how the Treasury Department likes to diversify out their durations on debt. So again, I think this is this is very very important to um, to sparse out that when we're trying to project for 2024 and try to project what interest rates are doing, I think the important dynamic to all this is the risks that the 10-year, say the 10-year U.S. Treasury, the interest rate stays high or increases from here, regardless of how the U.S. economy does, is elevated. And that is certainly a big danger to financial markets. If we see the economy continue to weaken, okay, and then normally you would say, okay, economy weakening, people get fearful of a recession uh, or a material economic slowdown, so I'm going to buy the 10-year U.S. Treasury because it's a safe haven. I wouldn't necessarily be so sure if that would happen because you're going to see, you're going to see this year more supply of the 10-year U.S. Treasury get issued to finance the growing deficit and debt of the U.S. Treasury, uh, of the U.S. government. That's not what we saw in 2023, but we are going to see some of that reverse in 2024, largely because the Treasury Secretary doesn't have a choice. She's going to have to start issuing longer-dated U.S. Treasuries to finance, again, the existing debt in the, in the deficit of, of, the, of the government. And that demand-supply dynamic of specifically the 10-year uh, is going to be very important to watch. It will have a bearing on interest rates, and again, there will be a knock-on effect uh, to financial asset prices, especially long-duration assets like stocks. Sure. Well, you know, speak, speaking of equities, now that we've had a, a kind of a soft landing, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people out there now, they're the traders, they're, they're looking for signals from the Fed, how the Fed is going, the economy, and you have a lot of, a lot of investors now, big-time investors, they're recommending that you look at stocks if they look like they're a good buy. I mean, would you recommend equities right now? It depends. So it depends on the equity that you're buying. I think broadly, broadly, equities, while you can make money in equities, certain, I think, certain types of equities, uh, I think it's a poor value. And I think, again, as a money manager, that is what you're asking yourself 100 times right. a day. Yes, can I make money on a certain investment? Sure. 
but is it a good value relative to the overall landscape? We just uh, a couple days ago invested in a uh, government agency preferred that has a yield to call of 7.6%. And the dividends it pays are qualified. So meaning if you have non-qualified or after-tax money, then you get taxed at a flat 15% rate if it's qualified. Uh, you know, For a lot of people say that are in the 30% tax bracket that don't want to pay 30% taxes on any dividends or income they receive in a given year, that is attractive to them. And again, sure. you're talking about a government agency. So you're talking about the U.S. The United States is basically the credit. It's the credit risk. Um, that is a very, very good value. 7.6% annualized yield on a very concerned investment that is tax qualified is a attractive value, in my opinion, broadly to the larger stock market. And I know we right. probably say this every other show, but again, statistically, this is a fact. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is the oldest index. It goes back 140 to 150 years, 1880s. The annualized rate of return of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which again, is filled up only with stocks, is 73 to 7.5%. And the reason why there's a range, it depends if you add back in the dividend. That is the right. historical rate of return of the oldest and longest running, biggest sample size of a U.S. equity index that we have in our country's history. And it's 73 yeah, to 7.5%. Yet I can make on this investment, the government agency preferred an annualized rate of 7.6%. What is the better value? I can make money with both, but what's the better value? Very, very, very good point. You know, I just had a client recently ask me, "Mo, well, you know, Dave, it's the end of the year now, and and the dogs of the Dow, which you're familiar with, I'm sure, where you get the the top producing dividend stocks and you buy them every year, you readjust it. Uh, I mean, what's your does you take for that? What is your feelings towards the dogs of the Dow? Is that a lot of nonsense, or does that make sense in investing? No, the dogs of the Dow been have been an investment. Uh, thesis or strategy for years. It's not necessarily one that we follow. We certainly keep track of any, you know, for for a client now to put the move away from the asset manager and go to the fiduciary side. If we have a client that comes to us who's in retirement or approaching retirement, what is usually their primary function? It's to generate supplemental income. Certainly, they want to take less risk in the market. So you have to moderate market risk, uh, moderate credit risk, but you're really trying to drive supplemental income because they're not going to be working anymore. Either they're not working already, or they're not going to be working in the near future, and they need that supplemental income to maintain right. their household and lifestyle. Uh, so you're always looking to try to see how we can maximize the return for income for every dollar of asset that we have, again, while moderating and mitigating risk. Um, so you always consider Dow companies because they tend to be the largest. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is the index of the 30 largest um, uh, uh, domestic-based uh, uh, U.S. companies. And so you're drawn to those incomes. I think where you can get in trouble in this type of system is that sometimes, even companies in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, these companies have large dividend yields because the market is – look, again, the market's always forward-looking, is discounting the company's ability, or they don't believe in the company's ability to maintain that dividend yield, meaning they expect it's probably going to be cut in the sometime future. 
uh, that that happens sometimes. Uh, you saw it indirectly with uh, um, uh, AT and T uh, a couple of years ago when they had the, right. when they siphoned off Warner Brothers. They weren't nearly the size that they were, uh, and so they needed to maintain a little bit more of cash flow to pay down debt, which they've been effectively doing the last couple of years. But that caused a repricing of dividend yield. So again, those dynamics come at play. Uh, again, we always watch it. It is something we consider, but we don't we don't necessarily follow that investment philosophy uh, to a T. Right. Well, look, when you look at equities, you know there are people that don't understand anything other than stocks and bonds, bonds and stocks. But just speaking of equities specifically, here we have Apple. They're off to the, its weakest start since 2019. And there's like a $100 billion difference now between Microsoft and Apple. Uh, you know, they just hit their second downgrade. What is going on with Apple? Why is that so, so down in the dumps right now? Well, there are concerns about, one, its ties to the Chinese economy and how reliant it is on the Chinese economy. It had been – the Chinese economy had been a big tailwind for Apple the last four or five years. Uh, They have been a big source of iPhone sales, obviously manufacturing and production in China, and that obviously has been highlighted over the last few years. Um, by various uh, entities within the United States leadership, uh, saying, "Hey, why are you? Why? Why is China building all these, uh, you know, respective phones uh, that doesn't, you know, we want to onshore it here in the U.S.? You know, so you have those various dynamics. I think the overarching concern of late has just been the general demand for iPhones. Now, certainly, ch- lack of right. Chinese demand is not good, but then also there's concerns about the United States and how many how many people are willing to spend." say, you know, $1,000 for a new phone. Uh, again, it gets very tough when the technology for these phones are very, very good. Uh, does someone every two year or two need to continue to get spend $1,000 for a phone? Uh, it just it, it, It's very tough to see how innovation can continue to keep up and advance to where it draws people to be able to do that. Right. What, what do you when you look at the commodities market now, you take gold, you take silver, uh, gold had a heck of a year. Do you expect that to continue? It depends really on monetary policy. You know, gold has been weak the last few days. I think p- as people realize that and I certainly I'm in the camp that we're not going to get an interest rate cut in March. I think it comes during the summertime. Um Right now, the market is expecting six rate cuts, and, and, and especially through the month of December when you did see gold bounce back, people were expecting six rate cuts. I, I just don't see that. I don't see how that's going to happen, uh, especially because there are dynamics at the end of 2024 that, or that will come in the second half of 2024 uh, that could make the Federal Reserve's fight against inflation. Now, right now, it's winning. But its fight against inflation could make it tougher uh, in the second half of the year, which means Federal Reserve should not be cutting interest rates at a time, say, if inflation uh, stops falling or maybe in some cases actually starts rising month over month. Sure. I had a client ask me uh, the other day that now that we have a war going on in the Ukraine, you have Israel, uh, is now a time a good time to invest in defense stocks? Look, you, you have. I'll tell you, it definitely seems like the last couple of years. You know, it's it's hard to forecast geopolitical events, but now you're getting to a point where you go, boy, you know, it's almost it's almost, 
you'd almost be foolish not to consider geopolitical uh, uh, um, uh, geopolitical escalation elsewhere around them. I mean, we still haven't seen the Taiwan China situation come to to fruition. Even though I know there's always been a lot of talk, you know, you've never really seen it come about. So I, I think there's just a lot of different dynamics at play. Uh, and it's just something, again, that, that, that one needs to just keep in the back of their mind of their investments. I think defense companies, I don't think you could buy the big guys. Uh, they, they're just, they're very expensive. They've had a big run up. Maybe you could get some of the mid tier, the mid cap size players that have not necessarily seen the run up. I'm thinking that L3 Harris, who's also in a situation right now with an activist investor, even they have run up a little bit. So I think the defense space is just tough because it's on a multi-year run that has just shown a lot of tailwinds uh, or has given a lot of tailwinds to the stock price. I think maybe you keep an eye on it. And if you do see a 5 to 10% pullback, you look at that point to say, hey, you know what? I think over the next three to five years, defense spending is going to be higher. These companies are going to be net beneficiaries, but I can get a better value for the stock. Right. You know, I, was, I noticed that uh, Rick Reeder is the, the CIO of, of uh, you know, the global, the fixed income at, at BlackRock. He, he says that the economy is not falling off a cliff. And he said, now would be a good time to put a little money to work in the belly of the curve. And what did he mean by that? So the belly of the curve, he's referring to the yield curve, and it is it is the yield curve right now is very tough. Again, at, at the beginning of our conversation, we talked a lot about the U.S. ten-year interest rate and how that had fallen. We have largely kept our fixed income investments on the short end of the yield curve. So the belly of the curve, in my opinion, would be five to ten years. That's the belly of the curve. Uh, right. Even though the yield curve goes out to 30 years, you don't see a lot of volume at the 20 or 30 year level. You see a lot of volume between five and 10 years. Now, again, Treasury Secretary Jenny Yellen in the last six to nine months has skewed the volume or the weighting of the amount of treasuries outstanding to the shorter end of the yield curve, say right. inside five years. But the belly of the curve is five to 10 years at least in my opinion uh, on that. I think from our investment philosophy, we want to take inflation risk out. And again, while we have certainly been big proponents and so far have been correct about inflation coming down throughout last year, again, there are some risks at the end of 2024, the second half of 2024, that could threaten the pop its head. And if it does that, and you combine that with the fact that the U.S. Treasury is going to have to increase the supply of the amount of U.S. 10-year duration assets or, or U.S. treasuries that have 10 years in duration um, compared to what we saw, say, six months ago or even three months ago, there are the risks that you see the 10-year spike back up again. Um, right. And thus, that's why we want to avoid, say, the 10-year or, or uh, yeah, we want to avoid the 10-year. I'd rather just go invest in, say, a two-year time frame Make right. well, you can't get five point five percent anymore. For four months ago, we were buying a ton of two-year paper because it was five point five, five point six percent. Now it's it's closer to five. Um, but I would say I would still prefer that area because you can make a good yield. You know, you lock it in for a short period of time, but it's more than say six months. 
Um, but then you're also not subjected to significant inflation risks or, say, uh, U.S. Treasury supply demand related risks. Right. I, I was reading an article this week in Business Week on how Americans now uh, are rethinking getting electric vehicles. And one of the main reasons being is that obviously you have really high stick, sticker prices now, you know, have steeper financing rates. And, and it's just going to kind of fuel a, a slowdown, in my mind, of, uh, of electric vehicles. What's your take on that now? Is that the future or are we going to stumble along with that? I, I think as you're seeing now, we're going to continue to stumble. Uh, it, it's just tough to navigate a market right now where capital seems to be very fleeting for, for that respective space, where it had been a significant tailwind, say, for the last decade, you are starting to see it erode uh, over the last, say, 18 months. It is just very tough. It's going to be fascinating to watch because you have several entities that operate in that space with very stretched valuations that have a lot of ties to some very big indexes, which means a lot of retirees, whether they know it or not, have exposure to those companies. So uh, it's going to be a very interesting situation to watch. I think, again, fundamentally, right now, you've seen capital come out of that respective industry or sector uh, over the last six to eight months. Uh, does it come back? I'm not too sure. When you look at loan data, auto loan data, it can't get much worse than what we're seeing right now. So there is an argument. You can say, hey, look, next 12 months are going to be better than what we've seen the last 12 months. But the loan data is just so darn bad, and people are just not interested in buying cars right now via loan because they're just too expensive. Um, right. And there was an interesting statistic from Apollo Global, uh, their uh, chief investment officer, that the negative equity in auto prices now uh, is at the highest rate that we've seen in 10 years. Wow. Uh, again, and that just speaks to what's happened with prices and the amount of debt outstanding on on um, auto loans relative to the value of the car. You saw so many people take out loans uh, you know, two to three years ago because rates were cheap. Well, now the values of those cars have fallen so much because the supply chain for cars a year and a half ago really unwound. And cars were we were able to get cars back on lots. Now it's just a question of demand, and we're just not seeing it. Sure. One last question. You know, here you have somebody that's just retiring, uh, and they're looking at what they have. They have, let's say, an IRA here or 401k there. They're putting all their money together, and they really haven't made as much as they really wanted to make. And they decide, well, maybe I'll just put three quarters of my money in, in stocks and try to keep making some money. Is that a good time to do that right now? It depends. It depends on what your investment objectives are. It depends what your risk tolerances are. Uh, and again, every person's, well, in general, there might be some structure that's the same. Every person's going to have their own difference. Again, it really depends on what type of uh, investor you're talking about. Right. So if somebody is more of a speculator, that, that would be an okay thing to do then, even with all well, that's going on in the fourth year of a presidency and all that. Look, in the fourth year of a presidency, historically, the stock market is good. If you are someone who's willing to take risk in a portfolio and you're a speculator, you can go for it. I, but again, I think if you are going to invest, you do not want to invest just broadly 
in an index, say just broadly invest in the S&P 500. I wouldn't want to do that. Uh, We know how skewed the S&P 500 is right now. Basically, it's just five to 10 companies. The Magnificent Seven, I know, gets mentioned a lot, but there are other components, the S&P 500, that are not a part of the Magnificent Seven. Um, But with that being said, you are seeing a just a continued extreme and concentration that is not healthy. It is not healthy. So I think if you want equity exposure, you're going to have to invest in individual names and in individual sectors. Sure. You would not go to like mutual funds or ETFs, or would you use those vehicles in your portfolio? Versus no, stock? I would invest in individual positions. I mean, from our firm, our firm's ethos, we do not invest in funds if we can help it. Um, it, again, just from our view, we don't want the additional fees for those clients to, I mean, when you're an asset manager, you collect your own fees. We're not going to ship that responsibility to another fund manager, whether it's in the form of an ETF or a mutual fund, both entities have their own fund managers and they're going to take money from you, uh, indirectly by pulling it out of the funds themselves. So you're paying another management fee. And we just don't believe that. I know there's a lot of registered investment advisors that use models with ETFs. Uh, We do not do that. No, that sounds good. I wanted that to be be known to everyone. Stash, as always, we appreciate your sound sage advice. And we'll be talking to you next week. You take care now. Absolutely. Take care. Uh, you're, you're just listening to Stash Cram. He is the Chief Investment Officer, Managing Director of Gramp Capital Wealth Management in Washington, D.C. That's GrampCapitalWealth.com. Let me just say to you, you, you deserve the best of the best. And we're so fortunate to have Stash with the amount of monies that he manages for us and for his himself and the company. And you d- get, get good advice. If something inside you is telling you, you know, I got a problem. Well, fix the problem. Just don't keep hitting your head against the wall because I have a suggestion. If your head is hurting, stop hitting the wall with it. Okay. Let us help you at Graham Capital Advisors. Legal, planning, investing, come and see us. We have offices on Kennedy Boulevard in Tampa, Ringling Boulevard in Sarasota. Go to our website. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. You really want to be lucky in life? Go help someone. Got a smile on you. You'll get to be incredibly lucky. We're lucky to be Americans. Right on our currency. It's God we trust. Good luck. God bless. Take care of each other. Stay safe out there. We'll see you next week. This program is sponsored by Graham Capital Advisors, LLC. Graham Capital Advisors, LLC is an independent estate planning and insurance agency. Investment advisory services are provided by Graham Capital Wealth Management, LLC, an independent registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Graham Capital Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. The information provided is for educational and informational purposes only only and does not constitute investment advice and should not be relied on as such. Individuals should consult with a qualified professional for guidance before making any purchasing decisions.